As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. Uh, the plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to another episode of Four to Six with A and B, your Ohio State podcast on the Athletic. This is Bill Landis, connected electronically with Ari Wasserman as we do our part to socially distance and stay away from each other. And I got to tell you, uh, it's nice to have a built-in reason. To not have Ari constantly hovering around me. <laughs> I think you're lying. I think you're lying to the people. I think you would rather be doing this face to face to have some human contact. You know what? I would at this point. What are we like four days into this? And I'm yeah. That's that's where I'm at. I I, I want to be around you and have somebody to talk to in person. That's when you well, know the world's actually ending. Yeah, yeah. We'll uh, we'll persevere. We'll get through this. Listen, we know like there's some. There's some serious stuff going on. There's some stuff that can be scary uh, for people, and and college football and sports in general maybe aren't at the forefront of everyone's mind. Um, we're sensitive to that, but we're also going to try to give you guys a distraction from time to time. Um, still, we still want to engage with you. We want to to thank you for supporting this podcast and supporting what we do at the Athletic. So we're going to keep bringing you podcasts and find interesting things to talk about. As it pertains to Ohio State football, and uh, for the moment, anyway, as as the sports world is largely on hold, uh, Ohio State is is finding ways uh, to stay in the headlines for for good reasons, and and that's with their recruiting. Uh, they've picked up four commitments since Sunday, so we're going to talk a lot about Ohio State recruiting in this episode. Uh, we submitted or recalled for questions from uh, subscribers. I think we're going to try to bring that back and do some more of that as we go through through these next couple of episodes because we want to keep you guys engaged and, and, and give you a little something extra if you are a subscriber to The Athletic, which you can still do by going to theathletic.com slash 4-6 to get 40% off. 
And uh, we'll get to your questions at the end of the episode. Uh, some football questions, some broader kind of non-football questions, too. We want to try to have a little bit of fun with this. But we'll start off with recruiting Ari. Uh, it's, it's a weird kind of recruiting world right now. Uh, the NCAA has instituted a dead period till April 15th. And it'll probably end up extending longer than that, which basically means no in-person recruiting at all. Everything uh, that any communication is done electronically, DMs, texts, FaceTime, phone calls, all that good stuff. But but nothing um, in person, no travel to or from campus uh, for anybody for the time being and, and probably you know for, for a long while here. We don't know exactly how long, but it'll be a minute. Ohio State was kind of on the forefront of this. Uh, they were among the first programs to suspend recruiting. Um, and then the NCAA stepped in and kind of suspended it for everybody. But uh, before we talk about how Ohio State is, is landing guys and who they've landed and, and what it means, uh, let's set the stage a little bit, uh, just sort of the world that we're living in in terms of recruiting. And, and we'll throw it uh, quickly to a conversation you had with Gene Smith, Ohio State's athletic director, last week when Ohio State first decided to suspend recruiting. Um, here's what you and he, you and him talked about and, and why Ohio State decided to go down that road earlier before everybody else did. Well, when you're saying it's non-essential, that makes sense, obviously, in the grand scheme of health and the well-being of people in the country. You know, that's, but in terms of how this football program is run, it is very essential. So like, how hard was that decision from your guys' standpoint? What made you guys get to that? It was easy. Yeah, it's real easy because people's lives and health are more important. And then uh, two months of recruiting or powering, whatever time frame it ends up being, you know, we, we, we can sustain uh, our ability to be successful uh, by being humanistic. And that's who we are. It's our values. Uh, you know, if you, if you have a son and, and uh, your son and we, you, you, you get the call that, um, you know, we're not going to be able to visit you because of what's going on in our society. You know, I hope you as a parent would recognize that that's being humanistic and that's a uh, place that uh, takes care of its people. Uh, that's important. So, one, is the right thing to do. And two, is a demonstration of, you know, what, that we need to care. Uh, more important than uh, going out and, and recruiting someone in a two or three month window of time. Um, so I would hope that any parent would be impressed that we would take the time to be that sensitive. Frankly, that's smart. So I think all that makes sense. I mean, it's, it's, that's prudent decision-making, I think, by Gene Smith and then ultimately by the NCAA to suspend all this stuff and not put people at risk. But, and you wrote about this, Ari, on, on Wednesday in your, in your sort of weekly recruiting national look about how this can negatively impact programs, yet at the same time, Ohio State, since Sunday, has landed commitments from uh, Ja'Kalen Johnson, Evan Pryor, Andre Turrentine, and Devontae Smith in the 2021 class. So, I guess generally, how do you feel like this is impacting people, and then how is Ohio State sort of stepping over that and finding ways to land guys while we're in this sort of unprecedented recruiting situation. Well, I think it's important to just point out, too, that that conversation with Gene Smith happened um, on Thursday, I believe, um, in the morning before the rest of the country kind of followed suit and, like, made it mandatory. Like, Ohio State was going to put themselves in this position before they had to. Um, and I think that that was the prudent thing to do. And, of course, like everything we've seen for the most part with this virus and the outbreak of it is that 
you know, certain things are happening and then the rest of the country is falling in line. And I think that's the most prudent thing to do. Um, in terms of how it's going to impact people, I think it's going to um, be very interesting to see. As you mentioned, I think that it's going to go past April 15th. I think that there's going to be another possibility of a domestic travel ban, as there's been um, some discussion in the news about. And if that happens, I think that's going to put another um, month or so you can tack on to the fact that they're not going to be able to get people on campus. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see, but maybe if this passes over by July um, and people are back to their normal lives, then that that period will be a time for um, the dead period to be lifted when that's usually the slowest month of the year for vacation. Um, that might turn into one of the busiest recruiting months in the history of recruiting. Um, so Ohio State's managed to, to get some commitments in the last um, week or so, and these are all from guys that have been here multiple times who um, had really solid relationships. And, and I do think, too, that if you look at the fact that you know, Ja'Kalen Johnson jumped on board um, and then Devontae Smith and Turrentine jumped on board after, I think that there was a kind of a surge in the market of being a defensive back <laughs> at Ohio State and the fact that their spots were filling up. And I think that the urgency to commit at that position if you wanted to go to Ohio State rose because there's only a limited amount of spots and, and Ohio State's coaching staff has regular um, conversations every year with recruits about the fact that they only have limited spots and if multiple people have offers, they're just going to take the first person who wants to join. Um, so the relationships, um, Ryan Day's probably got a great FaceTime game. Um, <laughs> and, of course, the the fact that there's some dwindling um, potential there to be a part of the class, I think, all really kind of played into a factor of just, hey, four in a row. And I know that there's you know been some talk on Twitter, too, that Ohio State has three other silent commitments yeah. um, that are going to be joining here soon, and I'm sure you're going to get to this, but... You know, Ohio State, I think, for the first time in the time I've been covering them and the first time in, in I don't know, I don't even know if it's ever happened, um, Ohio State might win the recruiting crown this year, which is crazy because Urban Meyer never even did that. Yeah, he, he I think the closest he came was with the 2017 class, which I believe finished uh, second but had the highest average player rating uh, that year. So, like, the, the timing of this, I'm just I'm, I'm wondering, like, how much credit Ohio State, or extra credit, I suppose, Ohio State should be getting for for what they're doing at the moment because the timing of shutting down recruiting syncing up with ohio state landing four commitments um at major positions of of need in the 2021 class i think one has everybody excited and two is everybody saying like well man look at ohio state everything's slowing down but the buckeye machine doesn't stop and it's like yes but it's not like they started laying the groundwork for all these commitments in the last four days. Like, like you said, this is stuff that's built up over weeks and months and, and maybe even years in, in some cases. So is it just a, a coincidental timing that makes it, it makes Ohio state look good or is there something to be said for Ohio state closing the deal in a time when they're not able to meet players face to face? Well, I mean, I think that there's a, I mean, it goes hand in hand. I think it's more, I think I would be say it was more of a coincidence, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, people don't just commit, but I do think that they were helped by the fact that the Jacqueline Johnson decided to join, and then you know, like I said, the the availability for spots in the secondary became more and more scarce, which I think sped up the process a little bit. Now, I don't think we need to bend over backwards to try to find new ways to, to say Ohio State's good at this, you know. <laughs> and you know, I think everybody knows Ohio State's good at recruiting. Um, and I think that it's interesting. I thought it was funny. Um, 
Gerd uh, from the Ozone said, when are they going to rename this class uh, the hashtag the quarantines? Uh, I thought that was a really funny way of, of putting it. Um, but, you know, these kids kind of know where they want to go earlier in the process now with official visits happening, you know, earlier. And, you know, I know some of them weren't able to take those visits and unofficial visits are happening in a sped up place and the camp circuit and all this stuff. Um, they knew where they wanted to go. And um, I think it just coincidentally happened that, you know, people are doing it once they're not allowed to go visit. But you can bet they're still going to visit afterward. So let's run through these these guys I picked up. I'll, I'll just list them briefly. It's it's Jacalyn Johnson, four star cornerback uh, from St. Louis. It's Evan Pryor, four star running back from just outside of Charlotte. Andre Turrentine, uh, four star defensive back, uh, probably a safety uh, from Nashville, and then uh, Devonte Smith, a three star defensive back from Cincinnati, um, who looks like maybe a little bit more of a versatile defensive back. I think he could end up playing basically anywhere anywhere on the back end. Um, and they can figure that out later. Who uh, among these four, and maybe it's an obvious answer, would you say like was the most important for Ohio State to land? Like, what's the of all the commitments they've landed recently? What's the biggest impact commitment in your mind? Do you think it's an obvious answer? Well, I think it's prior. I don't know. I guess you can make. I, it, I was going mean, to disagree they, with they you completely. They, they definitely need DBs, and I guess like in a world where they lost. Clark Phillips last year, who was like the only super highly rated defensive back or corner, at least that they that they were planning to sign, getting Jacalyn Johnson, who's the number four corner in the class and a top sixty player, is a big deal. Not to diminish that, but I, in my mind, uh, the the optics of of landing a running back like Evan Pryor make it a little more impactful for me. You mean just because of the fact that Ohio State missed on some of the higher end running backs that they wanted last summer? Yeah, um, and there's so much uncertainty our, about the position right now. And not that and he's going to help at any next year. but And that's yeah. the reason why I don't have him um, in that position, because he can't do anything to help what Ohio State needs um, in the 2020 season. And maybe they'll get Trey Sermon from Oklahoma. But Ohio State's still pretty heavily involved with uh, Trevon Henderson um, from Hopewell, Georgia. He's a five-star prospect, number two running back in the country, top 17 player overall nationally. And if they end up getting him, which I think a lot of people feel like is the case right now, mm-hmm. um, you know, and you never know. They, at, this, at this time last year, people thought B. John Robinson was going to be a black guy. Um, I think that Ohio State's going to be taking two running backs. And um, if Henderson ends up joining the, the class, I think he's going to be the jewel of it. Um, and like you said, there's a, a need to refill uh, with some star power back there in, in the secondary and getting a. Uh, top 60 player um, in that secondary position, I think is what Ohio State needs even more heading into the 2021 season. So I would say that Johnson's more impactful of the four that committed this week. How much of that, too, is the fact that they ended up beating Clemson? Or Clemson was one of the programs they beat for him. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like interesting if you go, and I and I, I made a story about this, but Ohio State and Clemson are like really battling head-to-head right now in the recruiting trail. And I, I don't even know, of all the years we've been covering this bill, if they've butted heads with the same team this much over and over and over again. You know, they've been like against it. Alabama. What's that? There was a year, like the the Marshawn Lattimore year was like, and you, know, you, guys, you and Doug wrote a lot about that when you were at Cleveland.com about that battle, but I feel like over the last two or three years, I, I agree with you, I think they've gone to battle with Clemson more than they've gone to battle really with any program consistently since Urban Meyer got here. Yeah, and the fact of the matter is that Clemson is winning that battle. Um, they're winning on the field and they're winning off the field. So anything that you can say, hey, Ohio State, 
won a battle. I mean, they were recruiting Johnson for a long time. Johnson visited Clemson and then came back and committed to Ohio State. So, of course, that's a victory. But you have to remember, too, that like Clemson got five-star defensive end Corey Foreman from California, four-star wide receiver Bo Collins, um, and then, of course, four-star cornerback John Hancock. And that was a really big kick to Ohio State because they had been recruiting him for a long time before he jumped up in the rankings like this. And then Clemson comes in with a January offer and lands the kid. Um, but there's some more battles going on, like four-star four, four star wide receiver Troy uh, Stilato from Fort Lauderdale uh, has a final two um, with these two guys. And it's like, you know, it's really, really funny when you really, like, step back and and look at this bill because Ohio State right now currently has the number one cl- class in the country in 2021. And I think nine of them are in the top 100. And they have a really good shot at being the number um, one class at the end of all this. But Clemson's number two. <laughs> And it's going to be yeah, like head-to-head for prospects. And they've got, do they have a higher player rating right now than Ohio State? Yeah, they do. Ohio State's is number. Oh, let me double check that real quick. It was that case yesterday. Yeah, I'm not sure before they got. Uh, yeah, Clemson's is. Clemson has ten commits. Ohio State has fourteen commits. Ohio State's average is ninety-five point oh nine, and Clemson's average is ninety-five point five nine. So yeah, a little, yeah. little bit better for Clemson. Yeah, and that's. Um, and I think the more the more commitments you get, the harder it is to maintain that. Um, so, like I, I I remember the stat that you tweeted out yesterday about the the um, average player rating. Um, mm-hmm. Ohio State's current average player rating is better than the average player rating that they had in the seventeen class that ended up making them one of the best teams in college football last year and was I still think the highest average player rating signed in the history of recruiting. Right? Has I, it been broken yet? Clemson might have broke it last year. Yeah, they might have broken it last year. Um, but the f- fact of the matter is, is once you start getting into that um, situation, you're, you have a class that's pretty elite. Um, but Clemson right now has a very elite class. It's like Ohio State can celebrate everything that they have going for it. They've got the number two overall player in the country committed, Jack Sawyer, just from the Columbus uh, area, about 15 minutes away from campus. And then, of course, Clemson has the number one overall player committed. You know, It's just kind of like one of these things where Ohio State – Took had its spot taken from Clemson, and Clemson's continuing to kind of be a, a thorn in their side. So, um, J.K. Johnson, I think maybe was, it might have been a symbolic commitment from that standpoint. But I think Ohio State still has a long way to go at, um, in terms of outdoing Clemson on the recruiting trail before it can really start feeling good about itself. Yeah, we've talked before about how Clemson like is just now building it up. You know, they've they've have not recruited like in Alabama really up until the last class. They've had some some good individual players, but they have not had a, a, a deep the depth that a program like Alabama or even Ohio State has had. But now they're they're starting to turn a corner there. So um, I, I don't know. Like Alabama only has one commitment at the moment, and and they'll they'll get more guys. They're usually a little slower in this than teams like Ohio State and Clemson, but. It feels to me like it was always just like Alabama and everybody else, and it kind of feels to me like there's a little bit more of an even playing field with Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and I, I probably include Georgia in that too. But I don't know. I think Ohio State is maybe a step behind, no, maybe a half a step behind maybe those other programs. But, but 2021 looks like it could be the time when they change that because it is kind of crazy. You mentioned like Trevion Henderson is a guy that they're a favor for. He's a five-star running back um, that – Defensive tackle who went to, goes to Eastside Catholic, JT. I'm going to butcher his last name. Tui, Tui Malu, I think is how you say it. He's a five star. He used to be, he was once the number one overall player in this class, and he's still a five star prospect. And I think he's number five overall defensive tackle. They're both five stars. JC Latham's an offensive lineman who's a very highly rated kid. 
Um, Tony Grimes is a defensive back who, like, I think you'll keep hearing his name. I'm not sure if they're going to get him, but he's another five star. Like, you're talking about a scenario where they have 11, 100, they have 11 guys right now ranked in the top 150, and they could conceivably, if you look at their board and who else they're they're legitimately in the running for, they can end up with 15 or 16 guys that are ranked that high, which would be they legitimately could end up with three, four top 10 players. Yeah, yeah, and, and like, that's like I don't even know if that's ever been done before. I don't know. I remember the one year Clemson had like the number one guy from like seven different states, but they weren't all top ten that's national. Prospects. Grace Rayner, our Clemson writer, that's a story. I'm sure she's listening. I think Grace is a, is a big fan of four to big, six. Maybe. Big four to six fan. Yeah, yeah. But, but um, like you know, are you yeah, are you of the of you are you of the mind right now that that Ryan Day is cruising for the best recruiting class that Ohio State's ever had? Like, is it too early to put this class in that? that rare air i guess as urban meyer would say because we're so far away from signing day there's so much uncertainty right now with what the recruiting calendar is going to look like or or is this like has the expectation changed now that with the the foundation that ryan day's laid with these 14 commitments so far that this should end up being the best on paper class anyway that ohio state's ever signed you know what's crazy is we've had this discussion all the time like we have the benefit of the doubt um from the 17 class because we know what they did and we know where they're going. So like, is this going to be the best class ever? Um, I think if you're asking me on paper, there's a chance. Um, if you go back and you look at the 17 class, the top two players in that class are both going to be top five picks this year. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, maybe I, I, it's right now it's cruising to be the best, but Ohio state signed five, five-star prospects in 2017. So they've got to pick up three five-star prospects to even just match what they've already done. So, you know, the fact of the matter is, is two, the 2017 class, Ohio State was number two behind Alabama in the rankings. But that was because their class was smaller. They had the best class in, the, in college football that year. Um, and I do think that right now, Ohio State with 14 commitments, um, two five-stars, uh, four t- uh, ten four-stars. Did I say that right? Two five-star prospects, ten four-star yep. prospects, um, and only two three-star prospects. You're seeing an elevation um, from what Ohio State did in the 2020 class, which was still an excellent class. But I feel like this year there's going to be less of those bottom developmental guys that you know we talked that they took a lot of last year. And I think that maybe now going into year two, which also might be a story, um, Ohio State and Ryan Day are starting to, you know, having proved it on the field, are starting to develop um, back into themselves and are going to be more national than they were before. And, you know, of all the, the commitments in Ohio State's class right now, they still have seven out of 14 from Ohio. But I think that, the, like, Ohio limit is going to be lower now and they're not going to be taking these three-star developmental kids from the state that they kind of leaned on last year, which is going to put them in a position to win the recruiting crown. So right now when I look at this class, they've got a five-star quarterback which is always kind of you get a little extra bonus points for that, right? Because mm-hmm. like, even in the in the seventeen class, was it Martell that they signed that year? They had Martell, and he was he was a high four, yeah. Yeah, um, but you know McCord, being a, a pro style tw- top twenty five player in the country, I think you get a bonus for that. Jack Sawyer, um, the number two overall player from Ohio, um, just the fact that you know they kind of have a little bit of everything. They've got a elite level receiver from Philadelphia. They've got the best cornerback from St. Louis. 
I mean, they're all over the place. They got the best running back in North Carolina. I mean, the way that they've kind of spread it around a little bit, um, it does look pretty impressive. But before I say they have the groundwork for the best class in Ohio State history, they got to at least get the five five star prospects before we can even have that discussion. Well, you made you made a, a good point there that I I guess I really hadn't been considering when I was thinking about what exactly Ohio State's doing right now. And it's, this isn't to like rain on, on Ohio State's parade because this is a really good class and. It just so happens that Ohio State or that the state of Ohio is really good this year and it's helping them. But there's like there's two different conversations here. It's like what well, might they end up with the best class? Sure, but it's an ability to go into those other states like you're mentioning and take the best players from around the country. Which Urban Meyer, like in that 2017 class, they got those was like three of the top ten players in Texas. They got Chase Young out of Maryland, Sean Wade out of Florida, Wyatt Davis from California, J.K. or um, Sorry, Tate Martell from from Las Vegas. Like they were going all over the place to get these guys. That was not a particularly Ohio heavy class. And this year, this class is is really good, but it's partly really good because Ohio State just sort of did what it's expected to do in locking down its own state and, and taking was it seven players from within its own borders that are ranked in the top one hundred and ten in the country. And like Ohio is not going to be that every year. This is not Ohio is is trending. I think probably in the opposite direction of that. It's not as as talent rich and deep as as it was you know ten years ago or fifteen years ago. But this year it just happens to be so they're getting a boost because of that. And they did a good job in keeping those guys. But I don't think it tells you a whole lot about whether or not Ohio State is going to go out there and do what Clemson and Alabama do on a consistent basis, which is take the best players from every state, sort of regardless of where they are. Hey, now that I'm getting out on the road. Um a little bit more and doing some national recruiting stuff. I've had a lot of conversations just out of context about Ohio State just because that's what I know the most. And a coach um, somewhere, um, somewhere, I'm not going to say who it was or where it was, told me that he was surprised that Ohio State would take Mike Hall. And I was like, what? And at the time, I like, I think I understood it. But I'm looking now, when did he become the top 95 player? He like committed like to them, and he was adjustment? like number three. He was when he committed to them, he was like number three hundred, and then ten minutes later, he was a top hundred player. So I think that's kind of fishy sometimes. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that Ohio State's class isn't great, but like I'm looking at this right now, I'm like Mike Hall was not a top hundred player when he committed. And I, I think there is a prevailing thought that the same thing is going to happen with Devontae Smith. Maybe not that he jumps all the way up into the top hundred, but he's four twenty eight right now, and I think. You could see him as a as a top two fifty player sooner rather than later. Yeah, and I, and I understand that. I mean, the kid's got an offer from Alabama, so if you have an offer from Alabama, and I know sometimes we can't tell what's uh, committable and what's not, but if you have an offer from Alabama, and um, you know you're in that position with Notre Dame and Oklahoma and Oregon and Penn State, Tennessee and Pittsburgh and Virginia Tech and all these offers coming in, that he doesn't have the offer list of a four hundred twenty nine player. And I think that that stuff sometimes should be adjusted before the commitment happens. But I do sometimes wonder, too, and, and, you know, listen, I think that analyzing the top 100 players in the country is the easiest because the elite of the elite players are just obviously elite. Um, But I do think that the rich are getting a little bit richer at times because of how they're rated after they commit to the rich. Um, So it's just something to track. But in terms of, like, you know, what you said... We've known that this is going to be one of the deepest Ohio classes um, that there is for the past two years. We wrote about it, you know, a few years ago about, like, look out for 2021. Ohio is going to be stacked. And, like, the foundation of their class, I think Jack Sawyer was the first one to commit, right? 
Mm-hmm. I mean, getting a five-star prospect who's number two overall in the country to be the first player to commit is huge. And then Ballard was coming in uh, shortly after. And then Reed Carrico from Ironton is a top 75 player. Mike Hall is top 100 now. Um, ben Chrisman's 107. Like, you're not going to have any, very many years where you're getting five commitments from top 100 players who happen to live in Ohio. So that point that you made is correct. It's not to say they won't. They're not going to step out and get like they got. You know, they got a bunch of national guys last year. They've always gotten that. They've always gotten national guys, but it's just a little uh, misleading to me. It's probably not the right word, but it's just I think it's worth acknowledging that this class is awesome, but it's partly awesome because Ohio is so good this year. Listen, Bill, uh, they if they're going to ever win the recruiting crown, of course it'll happen if Ohio, ha- the state of Ohio, has you know this many top hundred players. Like that's what probably needed to happen for them to be in the discussion. And I think that's why they have a legitimate chance to do it. I agree. I agree. I think it's it's sort of a it's a it's a perfect storm, as they say. It's of, so funny uh, to me. And we wrote about this at Cleveland.com about quarterbacks and stuff, but college football is so geographically dependent. It's just like how lucky is Ryan Day, like in terms of how good of a coach he's gonna be, that all these great players happen to be in the state that he coaches. It's like how do you control like who's born where and you know, and I get that the geographical elements and the importance of the sport in every place are different. But, man, it's just, like, fortunate that you're in a position to be the head coach at a place where you can get five or six top 100 players without even walking out of your house, you know? It's kind of crazy. Like, it's, I think Ryan Day's a really good coach, and I think if he were the head coach anywhere, he'd, he'd do a good job. I just think he's a sharp guy, and, he, and he's, he's a forward-thinking offensive guy, and he's got the right demeanor to be a good coach. But it is a hell of a thing to inherit a roster – made up of what Ohio State's 2017 and 2018 recruiting classes were. Get Justin Fields. He just happens to go into the portal your first year as a head coach, and you land him. And then, by the way, when you're like really hitting the ground running with your first fully recruited uh, class on your on your own, uh, you the state is the most talented it's been in probably five or six years. Yeah, well, um, I mean, Ryan Day's had some luck, but he's had some pretty shitty luck too. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, what happened in the Fiesta Bowl and yeah, no, I'm not. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not a totally charmed existence, but uh, yeah. Yeah. In terms of, in terms of jumping off points, I don't think you can really get much better. Yeah. Well, the thing I wanted to ask, and I know we're talking about recruiting right now, Bill, but it's like, and not that Ohio state ever has a window because when they put, when you put a class like this together, you're shooting a bullet right through the glass pane of a window. Yeah. Um, But like, does Ohio state like feel like they're in a little bit of a window crunch right now to like get back to the playoff and, 2020 and kind of finish what they started last year no i mean not when i look at this class no i just i don't i don't think the window exists if there was if there were a a hole you could see at quarterback coming maybe i'd think that but there's not because they got two really good quarterbacks in 2020 and they have a five-star quarterback in 2021 um they have evan Pryor at running back the skill is is really good outside of that um i Maybe I'd like to see them recruit a little better defensively, but I think they've been pretty good. So no, I don't. I don't. I suppose like from year to year, their chances of actually winning the whole thing can be a little elevated. And when you have a Heisman Trophy finalist or, or contender at quarterback, that's the case. But it's not like I'm not in my head. It's like, well, if they don't get it done this year with Justin Fields. They're screwed. Like I just fully expect them to be right back there the next year. I think more so like the Justin Fields window. Like, if he is what I think he is and what we think he is, like, like just being in a position where you get it done when you have that generational talent. Because I don't think that there's anything 
harder to swallow for a college coach than not getting to the top of the peak when you have a, tr- a maybe a generational talent. You yeah, know, you I go back that, and you look at true. like all of Ohio State quarterbacks um, in the time since you know we've been here combined, going back to Terrell Pryor, Braxton Miller, Cardale Jones, J.T. Barrett, Dwayne Haskins. I think that we both would probably agree that. Though different, like he's not as agile um, as Braxton was, and he might not have been as physically freakish as um, Terrell Pryor in terms of just like that LeBron body that he had. But I do think that he's probably the most talented quarterback Ohio State's had, right? Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. So yeah, you know, just the Justin talent, Fields yeah. window, I guess. But I don't think either of us think that if they don't win the national championship in 2020, that they won't be able to do it in the next year or two after. I think yeah, I think that's true. Like there is there is an added sense of urgency I think that comes whenever you have a talent like that. And I think like that's the case. I bet like if you talk to Urban Meyer about it, even though they won the title in fourteen, I bet there's some there, there's definitely some regret there that they were so talented in fifteen and didn't and didn't seal the deal. Now they were right back in the playoff the next year with a vastly different team. But you know there is a sense of urgency when you know you have the talent to win a national championship and and you don't do it. Doesn't preclude you from not getting right back there, but. Yeah, if they don't if they don't get back to where they were last year at the very least with a quarterback that's as talented as Justin Fields, knowing that he's going to be gone after the twenty twenty season and off to the NFL, um, I guess you could like separate that one thing and call it a window. But you know, they're going to be right there again in twenty twenty one with whoever the quarterback. Which is the reason is, why we talk so much about there. recruiting. Yeah, it's weird because hey, believe uh, it or not, I don't think that people <laughs> understand this based on some of my Twitter interactions this week, but. Talent matters in college football, and if you don't, I, think I was that, just going to say, uh, I I was going to dedicate the second half of the podcast to a discussion about how uh, recruiting is secondary to coaching ability. If that was okay with you, if you don't think that recruiting matters or talent matters, this is not the podcast for you. <laughs> this isn't the planet or the sport for you either. Uh, we don't need to go down that rabbit hole. I think okay. I think most sensible people agree with you. The problem when you have that conversation is like people think you're you're saying that coaching doesn't matter. Which is not of what you're saying. It, yeah, of course it matters. And like, who, I, uh, there was a great point that was made um, when you were having a discussion about how coaching matters and when you're trying to separate the top five teams, but talent matters when you're trying yeah, to separate. Yeah, coaching else, matters when the lines. talent is even. Yeah, but like, what does it mean to be a good coach in college football? Being a good coach in college football means being the best recruiter. Talent acquisition. Um, but I have a question. And this is like maybe something that could be an interesting podcast discussion down the line. And I'm sure we've talked about this a little bit in the front, but based on that discussion, if you're a college coach and you needed to make a pie chart of your perfect college coach, you're doing a create a coach in the new NCAA video game that's coming out mm-hmm. next year. And you had to like, you know, move the bar based on how much percentage of how good they are at each thing. And then you lose other traits. You get it, right? Yep. How much would you put? as dominant recruiter how much would you put as x's and o's guru and how much would you put as program builder hmm i mean i suppose it would depend on where i was at but i would still ohio just, state yeah like I, I, at ohio state i would put uh 80 85 i don't think i'd go as far as 90 all right discussion over yep on recruiting yeah 85 percent. yep and then uh like 14 of it on X's and O's and 1% on program builder. If I'm at Ohio state, maybe half a percent on program builder, just so it's not at zero. Landis, I, you know how I can tell matter. 
X's and O's matter, but Jimmy's and Joe's, right? Was that the Jimmy's and Joe's? Yeah, the Jimmy's, the Jimmy's and Joe's, the X's and the O's. Yeah, yeah. You, uh, yeah. I don't know if you listeners can uh, under- feel this right now, but we're quarantined, and uh, Bill was acting like he was he was cool, but for how pleasant this podcast is going, there's been no arguments, there's been no fighting, we're agreeing. Like, what is happening? Like, is this like? Being three miles away, but being so far away has made this such a pleasant podcast. Yeah, absence makes the heart grow fonder, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, Which brings no, me it's to like my all next of a sudden, point. All uh, Bill's... Stars don't matter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. I th- yeah, we've been, we, I think we, the last few, we, we were like, uh, you know, snipping at each other a little bit, so it's better. I think it's nice to, to mix it up and be a little more cordial every now and then. I think, I think, uh, uh, my brother texted me one time. He's like, man, you're really pissed off at Ari. He's like, no, I'm not. I just, I like to play devil's advocate sometimes because I think it's more interesting. Sometimes. But if, any, if anybody listening thinks that you and I actually don't like each other, that's not the case, even though it might sound Yeah, like no, we're, I think we get along pretty well, bud. <laughs> All right. Uh, Want to do some questions and then we'll, yeah, we'll get out of here? All right. Uh, there was a question about how 2021 compares to 2017. I think we, we hit that pretty hard, so we can skip that one. Uh, a couple questions about Trey Sermon. I'll grab this one from uh, Rdag H, and it's just a general. Any updates on Trey Sermon, the running back from Oklahoma who uh, is going to enter the tr- uh, transfer portal? Um, updates, no, other than he's in the portal. But I think you and I, and, and most people who follow Ohio State closely, are of the mind that um, Ohio State's in a pretty good position to land him as a graduate transfer running back, right? Well, I'm going to tell you a little story. Um, a few months ago, I think it was like six weeks ago. I don't remember when it was. It was a long time ago. Um, more than a month before Trey Sermon put his name in our Oklahoma beat writer text me and go, Hey, I'm hearing that Trey Sermon is going to enter the portal and like Ohio state might be a place that he visits or wants to go or, or, or he's visiting. I can't remember what happened, but I texted somebody at Ohio State to see if there was any truth to that. And they go, this is the first time I'm hearing his name. It's bullshit. You're an idiot. This is a dead period. He's not here. Like, I was like, okay. <laughs> made, me, made me feel like an idiot. And yeah. like, ah, uh, here it is. It's like, no shit. You know? Um, so, I don't know if there was any truth to that. Sometimes I wonder if the person isn't in the transfer portal yet, how do you know where they're going to go? You know, if they're not allowed to discuss, like, I know there's, like, a lot of, like, gray area there. Um, but I think a lot of times people could just read between the lines. And, like, we were talking about a few weeks ago when I was in North Carolina, that the transfer portal and how Ohio State and teams like that are going to get bailed out from some of the holes they have in their roster because it's a, it's a destination place for a guy like Sermon. He kind of fell out of Oklahoma's plans, and Ohio State desperately needs him, and they're going to be in the playoff probably again. He'd be nuts not to go to Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And, but, and he's uh he's like it doesn't seem like master teague's gonna be ready for the start of the season and marcus crowley is injured we talk about all this stuff and and i think i've said before like i it makes sense for me if they get a transfer i i'm not 100 percent sure that it's an urgent need that they get one but if they were to get one like trey sermon a graduate transfer immediately eligible one year left doesn't doesn't muddy up the recruiting picture down the line is an established player for a team that was in the playoff. Like he's he is like the perfect candidate. Like he he got hurt last year. He had a, a knee injury that cut his season short. And I guess you're maybe mildly concerned about that. But 
all indications are that he's going to be healthy for uh, the upcoming season. And if you're looking for a guy, like I don't, I don't know who would fit the bill better than someone like Sermon. We both were talking like if they could get a grad transfer who's ready to play immediately, that'd be the best case scenario, even more so than signing um, Jameer Gibbs. I thought um, mm-hmm. if they were going to have one scholarship spot, you know, take the one guy that you know has played already before, is game ready, and is a one-year rental. And it's like I don't know. Ohio State's always very fortunate, but this guy just falls out of the sky, and boop, there it is. It's perfect. Yeah. Kind of like how Justin Fields fell out of the sky. Yeah, it happens. Every time Ohio State needs something, somebody just appears. <laughs> somebody sold their soul to the devil somewhere. I don't know where, <laughs> I, know, I don't know who it was, but Ohio State is always in very fortunate positions like this. Second part of the question from Ardag was about uh, how, we're, how we're getting sustenance in these trying times. Uh, he says, what have you guys been cooking and what are you getting delivered? Um, have you been working on your chef skills while uh, people are fist fighting at the grocery store, but restaurants are still open for takeout. Yeah, I um, I haven't gotten anything delivered yet because I think it's weird that we're supposed to be like socially distancing ourselves um, from people who might have the virus but don't know it yet, and then you're gonna have somebody come to your front door and then hand you food that somebody touched. And I don't it know if that's hypochondriac ish. But it just Maybe, like but it makes sense. Like if I'm gonna have somebody come to my house that I'm supposed to be distancing my distancing myself from, then I'll just go get it myself. Like what's the difference? Is that yeah? Crazy? We haven't no, we haven't had anything delivered. Um, we're trying to do some takeout. We got some beer from one uh, from Seven Sun Brewery the other day. We'll probably try to go out and hit another brewery and get some more. Um, we're gonna get some food from uh, a bar that uh, one of my girlfriend's friends owns uh, later today. And, you know, we're trying to do our part to, to help these businesses that are struggling. I have not gotten uh, any, I'm not getting too crazy in the kitchen. Made some wings uh, last night that were pretty good. Um, we got a butcher box delivery, like, right before all this stuff started happening. So I got some uh, some ribeyes that I'm going to try cooking. I've never done yeah. that before. Do you have a big box of Omaha steak? We get it. We get it from the butcher box. Um, oh, the butcher box. Butcher box. But there's a, there was steak and wings and some uh, ribs. Um, but I've never, I've, I've only ever cooked filet, I think in my house. I've never cooked a ribeye before. So that'll be a new experience for me. I made, um, turkey tacos last night for dinner. Nice. They do were you pretty eat them good. on, do you, did you cook them or did you eat them like on a regular tortilla or did you keep it healthy and put them on a lettuce wrap? Put them on a, I didn't put it on anything. I just ate it with a fork. Oh, nice. Does it still count as tacos? The, right out of the pan. Yeah. Yeah. It's a taco bowl. Yeah. Taco bowl. Put a little shredded lettuce on there. A little uh, fat cream, sour cream. Yeah, you know, went, went to <laughs> yeah. town on it. Yeah, you should. Um, I think you should use this time to expand your horizons as as a as a home cook. I I don't like have the utensils. <laughs> I don't have enough. I don't have a. I basically live in an apartment that is set up like a college dorm. Yeah. So I I don't have like the emerald collection of pans and pots. <laughs> so you have a slow I, cooker I, though, right? I have a slow cooker. Yeah, and yeah. I'm gonna make some pulled chicken today. There I bought go. a bunch. Of, the reason why the grocery stores are out of meat. It's because I bought enough frozen uh, chicken and turkey um, to last me till the apocalypse. So I, uh, I, I'm part of the problem here. But I didn't yeah. buy any toilet paper, and between you and me, um, it's going to be a problem here in the next few days. I think <laughs> I got three rolls left. How many? How many days is one roll supposed to land a per, uh, last for one person? Well. 
I guess that depends on your schedule. You know what I mean? I don't know. No, I know. Once a day. <laughs> yeah, I think he'll be all right. Yeah, he'll be all right for a while. It's just hard to look at two two rolls. You're just one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it's disconcerting. It's like your, your check end, your uh, gas light comes on. You got fifty five right. miles, but it's not, right. it's not fun to look at. <laughs> you'll be you'll be all right. Hopefully yeah. they'll restock. I think you might be able. To, I don't know if you can get it delivered from Amazon or not. Maybe you can do that. I don't know that you uh, can. I don't. I think it's like six sixty eight dollars to get a roll of uh, single ply. And I'm not an animal either. I'd rather find out an alternate, an alternate route than use single ply. Yeah, yeah. We're not. Let's. We're not. Yeah. We're not in the apocalypse. We're not at that yet. point yet. Yeah, yeah. Two ply at least. Uh, <laughs> let's move on from uh, personal hygiene. Uh, do you want a football question or an off the wall non football question? Off the wall non football question. I've had enough. Okay, football. I'm fascinated to hear your answer to this question from Brian okay. K. Do you guys get along with other Ohio State beat writers? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that coming. I think so. I think so. Yeah, I think so. It's a, in my opinion, it's a pretty uh, friendly beat. I know I get along with with. Pretty much everybody in the Ohio State beat. I've never had a, uh, never had beef with anybody that I can remember. I've had beef, um, but I think that hopefully I'm a likable person, um, you know. And there's people that we used to work with, and you know, one of our main competitors is Doug Lamarice, and I view him as a personal friend and somebody who's helped my career out tremendously, and I think very highly and. Have very fond memories of working with him. So, you know, and there's sometimes people piss me off. Like when Dave Biddle <laughs> acts like talent isn't important in college football. So, like, I don't know. Like, uh, you know, it's it's a very interesting dynamic because it's sometimes like people always ask, well, how on earth can C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller like each other when they're standing directly in their way of accomplishing their dreams at Ohio State? And it's just like, it's not that dramatic to be a beat writer. But, like, we go to work every single day during the season, at least, shoulder to shoulder with these people who we're competing against. And, like, for the most part, considering that that is a huge thing where everything that you do every day, whether it's questions or answers or quotes or however we do our job, is being shared or competed for, I do think that it's relatively low-key beat and most people get along. And when I'm on the road and we're on the road, we usually... Um, do our best to get along and go out with people and do things with people. So I'd say from I've had a few blow-ups, had a few meltdowns with a few people over the years, but for the most part, I think I'm in pretty good shape. Yeah, I think you're all right. I don't think, I don't think there are any blood feuds with you and anybody on the beat. That, that well, I, oh, just one actually, person. That might, that might not be yeah. true. <laughs> I don't have any. I don't have any. I get along. I'll drink a beer with anybody. That person also told me he thinks the athletic is going to fail like a month after I took the job, so... Um, yeah. I don't know if that was hopefully. too far, but well, maybe maybe you get next question. Hopefully nobody fails. Uh, yeah, William P. What are the players doing with practices canceled? And yes, working with Pantoni, I think he might have met Marathi, um strength and conditioning wise. So you and I are at the moment like trying to piece together something that that hopefully can run this week. Um, if not this week, then then maybe early next week. Just sort of about how Ohio State's proceeding football-wise with all this. And, and granted, it's it's probably not, a, like I said at the top, at the forefront of everyone's mind. But there are people who are interested in it, and, you know, frankly, it's something else to talk about. So um, I've talked with some parents, and it's it's mostly what you'd expect. Um, 
Guys have trainers back in their hometowns. They're working with them if they can. Some guys are in states where gyms are closed. Um, I talked to one parent um, about their son, and they have like a home gym that's pretty substantial, and and he's training there and and doing some work, just sort of running at at his old high school. And I'm being cryptic because I don't really want to give away um, the reporting that we've done, even though it's not earth shattering. But it's it's a lot of what you'd expect. I, I, the thing that's interesting to me is like how these guys are are moving forward academically because everyone's doing classes online. Ohio State's fully online for the rest of the semester. Nobody's allowed back on campus. Um, athletes are expected to come back next Monday and remove all their stuff from their locker and then basically like go home or go to their off-campus apartment. You're not allowed to live off-campus. Athletic facilities are closed. Um, if you are injured or rehabbing, you can make um, arrangements with the strength staff, but whatever work you do has to happen off-site and not at Ohio State for the time being, and that's through at least April 6th, and I think it will probably extend beyond that. Um, I'm of the mind right now that spring practice is probably going to get canceled with the SEC and ACC announced um, Tuesday that they were, or maybe it was Monday, it was earlier this week that they're canceling spring practice altogether, which includes football. I, I would be shocked if the Big Ten didn't eventually follow suit. So I, I'm not expecting spring practice to be resumed at any point, but at the moment it's just suspended until April 6th and they'll reevaluate. Um, and guys are going to, have to do stuff on their own, uh, watch film, work out. Uh, get nutrition plans. I know Mickey Marotti has given plans to some guys. I don't know if everybody has gotten their plan just yet, but it's all the stuff you would expect them to try to do. And it's not all that different, I suppose, than if they were home in you know, May between the end of spring practice and when everyone comes back in June. It's just that it's happening at an unexpected time of the year. Totally. Totally. WC Top 44. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> uh andrew l says can we get an update on linebacker recruiting haven't heard much since uh reed carrico committed and with the big week we've had so far i'm wondering what else we can expect uh do you think they're going to add another linebacker they have carrico and i think it's also worth noting that like jalen johnson who they got a while ago also from cincinnati LaSalle, i think is like a bullet tight more than he is a defensive back so i think you can count him as a linebacker too so let's say they have two linebackers with those two guys. Do you see them adding another one, or do you think there are more pressing needs positionally in the, the 2021 class? I think there are more pressing needs. Um, I'm not going to say that they don't um, have a, the potential for taking another linebacker. But, um, you know, I, I think that, like, yeah, did you say Jalen Johnson is going to be yeah. more like a Darren Lee type player? Yeah, and like, I think like that bullet, yeah. Court Williams. Yeah. I think that that would be. Um, all they would need at that position, to be honest. So um, there are some other names out there like Barrett Carter, four-star prospect, number 54 overall player, number four outside linebacker from the Atlanta suburbs, um, has offers from Alabama, Clemson, Auburn, all the, all the classics, and Ohio State's involved with him. I think that if they if they want a linebacker or need another linebacker, they might go all in for him. But right now I don't think it's a very pressing need. All right, we'll wrap up with one more question. Uh, we did not get to all of them. We got we got pretty good questions, um, but the point I think of asking for them is that we're going to use these, I think, as, as jumping off points for further podcasts on the road. We'll keep asking for you because we want, we want you to be a part of this as we move forward and try to figure out things to talk about. But we'll end with this one um, from Randall S. He said, what are the top things, top 10 things to do um, right now? Uh like as we're all kind of prohibited by basically leaving our for leaving our houses for the most part, we don't have to give them top ten things. But I'm just curious. You know, we're working. We're still trying to give you guys content on the athletic, and we'll keep doing that. But we also have 
you know, we don't, we don't have anywhere to go. So I'm wondering how you're spending the extra bit of time we have to be at home, whether are you watching anything? Are you reading anything? Like what, what are you, what are you getting into with no sports? Well, everybody's watching Netflix, um, or streaming services. I'm watching hunters on Amazon prime, which is that's a, one about the Nazi hunters, right? Oh my God. It's so good. The second you we hit stop on this podcast, I'm going to watch the next episode. Um, I'm obsessively watching CNBC to see if I'm ever going to get to retire. Um, I'm calming my mom down because I had a cough, and it is getting better now. But um, she was freaking out. I'm cleaning my apartment slowly but surely. I've sold a few things on eBay. What'd you sell? A few pairs of, she- of sneakers. Nice. And uh, been a lot of laying and a lot of, of TV watching. <laughs> I'm going to love with your bill. The heart rates that hasn't been gotten up. Yeah. Has it been up enough? My, uh, yeah, I was. I, I have a membership to Orange Theory and I've been in a while and they sent an email the other day. It was like, we're suspending your membership because all our gyms are closed. I was like, well, that sounds our problem. I don't, have to, don't have to pay for a gym that I'm not going to. But I am going to, I got to try to find ways to. I'm going to start taking my dog on long walks. I, I saw, I saw a fun. meme the other day that said, well, I always knew that being a fat piece of shit would come in handy one day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm pretty good at this. <laughs> We're built built for this. It's like, this is what I would have been doing anyway, but now I feel like I have to, so I feel like accomplished by doing yeah. it. Now you're setting the example. <laughs> yeah, yeah. this is what, you know, if I would have been doing exactly what I did this week, two weeks ago, I would have been the armpit of society. And now I'm like the golden standard of what you're supposed to do uh, in this position. So it's a pretty solid situation. Um, obviously, we w- I can't wait to be able to go back outside and go to restaurants and do all the stuff that we always do. But um, I'm just trying my best to not freak out. I'm trying to just relax and just kind of like take some me time. Yeah, I'm getting into Narcos. I, I watched Narcos Mexico. And now I'm going back and watching the Pablo Escobar seasons that I. How just could you started. watch Narcos Mexico first? Uh, it was the first thing that popped up, and it like didn't cross my mind that. And they're like, you know, they're not super. It's not like I, I know, I know how the Pablo Escobar story ends. It's not like I'm spoiling anything. Um, no, I know, but the Narcos Pablo story is. I haven't ever watched the Mexico one. Should I watch that? It's pretty good. I like it. I really like Diego Luna, who plays the the main uh, main trafficker. Um, in the Mexico series, he's really the guy who, who plays Pablo in the first one, Bill, is, is perfect. He's incredible. Yeah, he's incredible. Yeah. I was talking to my brother about it the other day. Like, that is Pablo Escobar. Um, yeah. So I'm watching that. I'm trying to read a little more. I'm reading a really good book right now called, uh, and it's a football book because I can't help myself. It's called The Perfect Pass, um, and it's about how, like, how Mummy and Mike Leach, like, invented the air raid offense. Um, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I would recommend it. And uh, I'm going to try to read some non-sports things, too, and broaden my horizons a little bit. But, yeah. uh, you know, we'll also be trying to bring you stories on The Athletic. Uh, we understand that, uh, you know, it's a it's a strange time, man. It's a strange time, and we're all just trying to get through it. We're, we're, we're ho- hopeful that we can be a minor distraction for you, and we certainly wish that all you guys are staying safe, staying healthy, and, and hopefully we'll get through this sooner rather than later. Um, in the meantime, we'll continue to bring you this podcast, continue to bring you content on Ohio State um, on the athletic, uh, quick plug. If you're interested in Ohio state basketball, I had a story that went up on Wednesday, sort of outlining where the team looks like it's going roster wise in terms of transfers and additions and all that stuff for next season. 
um, a little bit of, of insight and inside information there. If you're curious about that, that's up right now. You can go read that. Um, and we'll, we'll try to find some more uh, stuff to cover the team, some fun stuff, keep you guys engaged, and, and offer a little bit of, of, of levity, hopefully, from time to time as we go through this. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Anything you want to add before we let the fine people go, Ari? I think you, you did a phenomenal job of hosting today, Bill. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate you as a person and a coworker, and I miss you. <laughs> How'd that feel? Wow. That's what I thought our last episode ever would be. Now, how do we even how do we record another episode after that? I don't know. Maybe this is it. Maybe this is it. <laughs> back it up. No, we'll be back. We'll be back. Uh, we're gonna try. We're gonna do try to do this every week. I think. Right. That's the plan. We That's the plan. Why does we'll talk into a microphone at each other from uh, five miles away? Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of Four to Six with A and B. Uh, please uh, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the Athletic, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm.